We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Wednesday to preview some playoff football for the first time in our podcast history. First time for the Chargers since 2018. So uh, very excited to dive into everything. My name is Steven. I am the host, as always. And joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex is no longer in the United States. So, uh, Alex, what's up, man? How are your travels? How are the birds? Uh, you tell me how the birds are. I don't know if you guys can hear them or not. Uh, we'll find out throughout the show tonight. I guess the birds are quiet. Uh, we'll see how that keeps up, but uh, I'm doing good. I'm sick as hell. So sorry if that comes across in my voice uh, over the course of this podcast. But uh, did we did think that during the start of the season, the Chargers would be in the playoffs. Did not think it would be against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are in their first playoff trip since 2017 uh as well so uh interested to see how this one goes yeah lots of uh interesting storylines for sure uh not a whole lot of super bowl experience or playoff experience really on on either side at least in terms of obviously the quarterbacks the head coaches i mean obviously doug peterson won the super bowl but um you know very uh interesting storylines in that regard so as for the birds alex so far so good no no birds to report on our end uh tyler what's up man how are you doing tonight Doing very, very well. Yes, Alex, no birds. Uh, can't hear them. We won't even see the birds this weekend because they had the one seed as well. So good job to your Eagles as well. Congratulations. Yeah, the Chargers being in the fifth seed and being in the postseason. Cool. I get that. If you predicted that, great. I think Alex did as well. Have them at the fifth seed. 
um, them taking the the starting point here and then doing this the entire way and then just ending up <laughs> at the fifth seed as is. Uh, that was a whole different thing. It was definitely about the journey. Um, hopefully the destination is the Super Bowl. As far as how I'm doing, hey, man, back-to-back-ish weeks of talking about the return of some All-Pros. Not bad. I think it was fun for the, the Twitter insider whatnot. And um, <laughs> yeah, take that, haters, I guess. Yeah, that was a, it was fun to see you pull up all the receipts. And, uh, you know, I think people should uh, learn to respect the resume at this point. You know, student teacher by day, insider by also by day. <laughs> I don't teach. I just sit there and tweet the entire time. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I don't. Please hire me. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're a respective school in the in the Southern California, Orange County area, please hire Tyler. Um, in all seriousness, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, previewing this game. We're going to go back and. Highlight some lessons from the uh, Chargers Week 3 matchup against the Jaguars. Obviously, we're not going to rehash all the negativity. I think, frankly, you know, there's not a ton of, like, talking points from that game given who was and who was not playing for the Chargers. Um, but there are some certain things that I think are worth highlighting in terms of, you know, schematics and also, you know, the players who are returning. So, and then we'll dive into our usual, uh, you know, individual matchup and, and all the key matchups and things like that. So, um fun show today for sure first and foremost as we always do have to talk about the injury report uh the aforementioned all pro left tackle Rashawn Slater was back at practice for the Chargers today uh participated in individual drills he did have uh, a bit of a, a brace on his arm sporting a new goatee as well um unfortunately gonna have to come up with a new nickname for him cannot call him the babyface bully anymore because he's not a babyface but uh, great to see that Rashawn Slater is back. Um, obviously, Tyler's been kind of all over that coverage. So, um, Tyler, what what are your thoughts, at least as it pertains to him returning at this point? Now that we know that you know he's practicing, they've activated the window. Uh, Brandon Staley has said it's not going to be this week, um, but if the Chargers win, it does sound like there's a, a pretty good chance that he plays next week. At least that's my understanding of the situation. I mean, how often do you get to just? Well, hopefully, again, it's not official yet, but if he comes back next week in the divisional rounds and if they make it, how often do you get to add the top two, three potentially player at his position? Granted, it's been a while, but he was on that trajectory and he certainly Mm -hmm. started the season like that. How often do you just get to add top two, three, at worst, top five player at his position at the second or third most important position in the NFL just randomly in the postseason? It'd be huge for the Chargers. It's the difference between them losing and winning potentially next week. Like whoever they face, whoever it ends up being, don't officially know yet. But, you know, unless there's some lower seed that pulls an upset, you got to go on the road and play a really, really good team. And the difference between like Sawyer's been great, but I think, you know, fan optimism around Sawyer is, is warranted. But also, like, I didn't realize statistically heading in either into the Denver game or after the Denver game. He gave up like 45 pressures on the season, which is still fantastic and far better than the alternative. But there's there's a big, 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 big difference between (laughs) Sawyer and Rashawn Slater, both in in terms of what they can do as an offense and what he does as a pass protector, of course, in the run game as well as a mover. So, I mean, it's huge. You want to win so bad this week to get Rashawn Slater back. Again, not guaranteed, but if he's back, it's huge. It, it, it can't be understated enough. Like it's for Sean Slater, second team all pro last year, should have been an all pro this year if he had stayed healthy. Like this is huge. 
Yeah, um, huge for the Chargers if they get Rashawn Slater back potentially next week if they beat Jacksonville. Uh, and like Tyler said, Jamari Salier has done a fine job, you know, sitting in for Rashawn Slater. He's playing a position, frankly, he's not supposed to be playing, right? Um, tackles not his yeah. natural position. You, we all kind of slate him in potentially for guard next year. Um, you know, Matt Filer leaves. So that's kind of what he was projected to do when the Chargers drafted him. Um, the process of how they got there in terms of Jamari playing left tackle was, you know, convoluted as well. Storm Norton was the guy who came in week three. And now Storm Norton has no chance of seeing the field really under any circumstances, it seems like, um, except for like jumbo packages and things like that. But they won't even consider him for, uh, you know, one of the tackle spots. They, they trust Foster Sarrell more than him, which is still interesting. Um, but as it stands, yeah. you know, um, Jamari Salier has done a fine job, but you know, he hasn't had that crater storm Norton game, which is like, he gives up nine or 10 pressures, which has been very good, but he still has been allowing, you know, four or five pressures recent weeks. And if you can get Slater in there, who is really an all pro level talent at the left tackle position, then you're talking about giving up between probably zero and two pressures a game, which is a huge difference with Justin Herbert. Um, a huge difference for him. And then obviously have Trey Pipkins on the other side, who's been having a breakout season of his career. And overall, it makes the offensive line much stronger. And you can probably take a couple more deep shots uh, if you want with Rashawn Slater there. You, it opens up, you know, offensive packages that really haven't been there all season for the Chargers if Rashawn Slater is able to come back. Yeah, and I think individually against the Chiefs, it's huge because right now you're still diverting a, a good amount of help to Jamari's side. Like, I think, you know, Jamari is absolutely playing well. He's he's exceeding expectations. Uh, you know, when we heard that he was going to be the left tackle, it was kind of like, well, really, is this going to be that much of an improvement? And, and it certainly has been. Um, and Jamari certainly has his weaknesses, but he's he's really excelling and he's he's just a steady presence over there. I mean, you know, I'll take three, four, five pressures a game max every single week instead of, you know, wondering if this is going to be a 10 pressure game from my left tackle or right tackle, you know, like it has been in the past. So Jamari's playing great uh for you know relative to who he is but you you take Rashawn Slater and you put him in there then you can divert all of your blocking protection plan at Chris Jones and making sure that he is double teamed on every single rep as opposed to worrying about chipping the tight end or double teaming Frank Clark or George Karloftis or uh Carlos Dunlap at Jamari Sawyer's side so it's huge from a protection standpoint it's huge in the run game I think Jamari is certainly improving in that regard, and I've really enjoyed watching him improve. But, you know, getting Slater back out there, it just opens up, you know, a huge amount of the playbook. It opens up a lot more of the wide zone attack that they really liked to do last year. I think, frankly, the, the toss plays, which have been good recently, would improve with Slater out there. So um, it changes everything up front for the Chargers. And um, if he's able to play, I would expect at least some mild rust, but I would expect him to, you know, play at a, at a high quality above average star level tackle. Cause that's who Rashawn Slater is. Yeah. Just watching. I, I he's not the athlete Panay Sewell is, and we all acknowledge that before the draft and currently, but like there is, he's closer to Sewell than like someone like Sawyer, obviously. And what you could, they can do yeah. in the toss game, like you said, screen, whatever it is huge. It's also just huge for the depth. Like, they do have to play several more games, well, hopefully, into the postseason. And with Jamari Sawyer not going to the bench, which I know people aren't huge fans of, but what are you going to do? You do feel a bit better about the depth of this team, whether, I mean, I guess it is left tackle, but also left guard or right guard. If Zion Johnson mm -hmm. goes down, Brendan Hymas out there, 
I think his last showing was like three pressures and five pass blocking snaps or whatever it was. Yep. You know, if you absolutely need a right tackle and you don't want someone who can give up, you know, eight pressures a game at right tackle, you could throw Sawyer out there over someone like Foster Serrell. I don't know that they'll do that for right tackle, but left tackle, left guard, and right guard, you definitely, you, you know, that's probably where they're going to inject Sawyer if someone gets hurt. There really is no good backup behind Zion Johnson. And I think that is a huge loss if Zion goes down, obviously. But if Sawyer is not your depth option, you do feel a heck of a lot better rather than having Hymas out there for a postseason run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just in terms of, of Slater's return, I, I think it's huge for this offensive line. And I think they would put, I think they would at least consider putting Sawyer at right tackle. Um, I think so. I, I mean, I would much rather prefer that than dealing with Foster Serrell <laughs> again. Yeah, uh, but you know, this team, for whatever it's worth, for whatever reason, wants to see what they have in Foster Serrell. So uh, I don't really understand why, but it is what it is. So, um, all right, the next big injury, obviously, Mike Williams uh, has the back contusion. As of uh, Monday of this week, uh, Brandon Staley said the expectation was that he would practice at some point this week and that he would be able to play on Saturday night. He has not practiced yet. Um, yesterday, the team did a walkthrough, so he didn't participate in any of that. Uh, and then today, he was also a, a logged as a an official do not practice or did not practice. Excuse me. So it sounds like the plan hasn't necessarily changed yet. I am still holding out hope until tomorrow. We'll see if he practices tomorrow in any capacity, and then if he's able to play. So, uh, Alex, do you think that Mike Williams is going to play? And if he doesn't, how does that kind of alter your thoughts for uh, Saturday night's game? Um, I mean, it's a big swing. If it's announced that Mike Williams is out for this game, I'm curious what the spread would be. Uh, because, I mean, that's a potential, you know, I think the Chargers are favored by minus one and a half right now. And that could absolutely swing the game in the Jags favor or put it back at even. Um, it's a big swing. I mean, considering how Mike Williams has been playing. Uh, so... And then if he is available, right, the question becomes, what percent is he, right? Because we obviously saw that, you know, when he had the contusion, he was not able to get off the field on his own power, right? Had to be carted off. Um, so, you know, to go from that five days later, I mean, really potentially playing a game in Jacksonville on the road. And, you know, you're going to be kind of asking him to be full 100% Mike Williams. Now, Mike Williams is a player that I guess hasn't, always been 100 percent right he's absolutely played some games where he's you know taken hits and he's been you know maybe 60 to 80 percent um but it seems like a lot to ask of him uh considering what happened on sunday to then kind of ask him to go back out there and just be you know mike williams 100 percent um so i think he will play um it sounds like they kind of gave him a rest day today and then see where he is tomorrow in terms of his recovery um, but yeah, so obviously we'd love to see him log a limited practice at the very least, uh, prior to Saturday night. Uh, so he can, you know, get a chance to play in this game. Also, you know, there's the potential they could rest him until the game, but then, you know, he's kind of going into that game cold as well. So, you know, you don't want that as kind of the situation either. So I do ultimately think he'll play. Um, but yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of conversations to be had about, I mean, there already have been had about what Staley's decision was. Um, but ultimately, you know, having Mike Williams potentially either unavailable for this game or not at the percentage he should be because of that hit he took, 
um, it's it's a tough one to take in this one, uh, just because you know we talked about how Michael Williams is potentially an X factor player for them in the playoffs, particularly because of the explosive plays he's capable of giving you at wide receiver. Um, so ultimately, hope he plays this game. I do think he will. What percentage he is, who knows? Yeah, real quick before Tyler jumps in, the spread is uh, minus two as of earlier this morning. So I think it was one and a half, and then yeah. after Brandon's daily said he expected Michael Williams to play, it jumped up to two. Okay, uh, I think it'll be a bigger swing than that for sure if he doesn't play. I I do expect him to play. I expect him to be out there, but the percent, like like Alex was talking about, that's kind of the big thing. Mike Williams is a guy who has toughed it out before for sure. At the same time, he's kind of done that like against the Chiefs, and then one catch in, he's already out. Um, it's very different now that it's the postseason, uh, so maybe he tries to grind it out a bit more because it's, I mean, it's the postseason. Here we go. But man, like him not practicing so far isn't great. I'll, I'll hold out hope. I, I do think he'll play. I think it's he'll play a little bit, but yeah, not great so far. I mean, he the last time that they played the Jaguars, he's the only one who scored a touchdown for the team. And I think it's the last time they threw a gosh darn fade that worked. Um, that was a fade to the left side of Mike Williams or like a back shoulder fade to the pylon. And hey, they scored. So hopefully he can play. I do believe he'll play. How much, I don't know. I believe I will try to find out before they announce. But, I mean, we'll see. I think I think it will really come down to game time decision. I don't think he'll be out, but I think they're going to wait until basically Saturday when they have to. Yeah, I'll obviously try and dig around a little bit too. You're, you've been more on point than I have been uh, recently. Um, I, I tend to agree with what Baronip says here. I mean, we've seen Mike Williams you know, overcome these kind of injuries that nobody thinks he's going to play that look terrible. And then he ends up playing, obviously like his uh, AC joint sprain in 2020, when it was assumed that he would be out four to six weeks. And he ended up only missing like three weeks of training camp and then came back and was the leading receiver against the Bengals in week one uh, that year. So um, I, I tend to think that Mike Williams will end up playing. Um, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of how limited is he going to be. So it, it does kind of shift the game plan a little bit. You know, Alex did a great job uh, after the uh, Rams game, kind of highlighting why Mike Williams was going to be so important to this playoff run. And I, I think it shifts things. I mean, Keenan Allen has been balling uh, over the last few weeks as well. So I just think with Mike Williams out there, you're able to actually take advantage of of these Jacksonville corners and obviously, you know, next week against the chiefs, we know what his resume against the chiefs has been like. So I expect him to play. I do kind of expect him to be a little limited. I don't think he's going to be a full hundred percent go, but hit, having him out there is, is huge. You know, get a couple get big plays out of him would be fantastic. But um, I, I do get the sense that he kind of would be a little limited. Has a charger this season been, did not practice all week and then played that week. Um, kind of Sebastian Joseph Day against the, I think Sebastian Joseph Day against the Titans was DNP DNP limited mm-hmm. and then played against uh, Derrick Henry and them. So that really is like the only one that I think I can remember off the top of my. Oh, JC didn't play. He didn't practice at all before the Chiefs game. <laughs> and no, then he got hurt. Went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So there's the example, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just the sense that I get. 
Ooh, Mike LaFleur got fired. Depends on that one. Jets down. are a mess. And he can bring Zach Wilson as a backup next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a fun one. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, we'll get now to we're going to discuss some uh, lessons here from hearkening uh, back to the Chargers week three loss at the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, uh, people are kind of talking about that game and really forgetting the circumstances that you know, they entered the game, no Corey Lindsley, no Keenan Allen, no Donald Parham, Justin Herbert's first game after the rib injury. They lost Joey Bosa after 12 snaps, they lost Jalen Guyton, and Jason Jackson didn't play either. Obviously, he's not going to play in this game, too. So a uh, bit of a demoralizing game looking back at that. But, Tyler, I'm curious to get your thoughts here first. Um, what's What's kind of the big lesson you think that the Chargers could take from that week three matchup? they need to play better on early downs. And I say that both from watching it uh, and also because no duh, but also because that was their point of emphasis in practice yesterday. They on defense were focusing on playing better on early downs against the Jaguars and ensuring that not necessarily a schematic thing, although that might've, I mean, again, personnel has changed quite a bit since then. Staley said himself that there are different players that weren't even on the team that are now on the team uh, with this matchup. But, they really need to focus on those early downs and winning on those early downs. Now, will they be able to? Because if you look at that game, they'll trot out, you know, five defensive linemen or four defensive linemen, excuse me. And the Jaguars will have eight offensive linemen and tight ends. And, Jim, you know, and Robinson, who's not playing this game because he's not on the team, would take off for that huge score. It's been tough for the Chargers to win in those early downs because they don't have the numbers up front because they try to play those light boxes. But they're going to have to. There are only four instances against the Jaguars in that first game where the Jaguars faced longer than third and seven. On all four of those instances, the first down play was a run for either one, negative one, or like two. It was a run stop or a tackle for loss on every single one of those four. They need to find a way to win early on first down, second down two, and you know maybe third and fourth. But definitely early on, because the Jaguars are built to be very, very good in that quick game. You want to watch a good quick game? Watch that game that Doug Peterson ran against the Staley defense, whether it was, you know, Evan Ingram very quickly in the flat, or they would send out a running back to the flat, or somebody in motion, or somebody on a crosser, whatever it was, they were so equipped to win easily and often on third and three, third and two, third and four. It was so easy for them. Um, and I wish the Chargers were able to do that more. If they can hold them for just a bit longer, right, and, and hold them better on first down and second down and put them in those third and long situations, again, this feels very no-duh, but this is this the Jaguars' offense. This is what they do, and the Chargers need to be better at this. If they can hold them and just get, you know, Walker Little versus Khalil Mack for just a little bit longer. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to throw the ball in 2.2 seconds. He's not holding on to this ball very long this game. You have to just buy these edge rushers a little bit more time or these stunts or these linebackers a little bit more time you got to win on early downs that was their emphasis in practice yesterday they need to do it on saturday yeah i think the the quick trigger that trevor lawrence has and the way that doug peterson has this offense working uh you know that that really is one of the key things is they have to be able to disrupt that kind of timing and they did they were not able to do that in week three and i remember watching that game back you know, you you felt how 
much room and space these Jaguars receivers had in that week three game. I was at the stadium for that one, unfortunately. Um, you felt how much time Trevor Lawrence had whenever he was able to drop back. And, you know, just looking at the numbers, Trevor Lawrence had the third fastest time to throw average of any quarterback in the league, uh, only trailing, I think it was Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. Um, or excuse me, Joe Burrow and um, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Um, and against the Chargers specifically, that was his third fastest time to throw game. And, you know, they they knew what buttons to push and when to push them. And the Chargers have, have really kind of ramped up their pressure packages since that game. Obviously, that's when they lost Joey Bosa. Um, but that game, I felt like anytime they blitzed Drew Tranquil or Kyle Vannoy or or whoever, um, they had the answer and it ended up being like a 15-yard game. So it it just is – it's so crucial for this team to be able to disrupt what Trevor and Doug are doing on a down-to-down basis. And like you said, you know, keeping them behind the sticks, I think, is is definitely a lesson that they need to learn from the Week 3 game. Yeah, um, I think keeping them behind the sticks is huge. Uh, and, you know, like Tyler said, first, second, third, and fourth down, too, because it's Doug Peterson, and it's the playoffs. So, you know, he is probably, you know, the closest coach to Staley in terms of, you know, going for it and being aggressive on fourth down. Uh, in his nature so that's definitely something to keep track of uh, I think we've talked about how obviously Joey Bosa was out that game Rashawn Slater goes down Jalen Guyton all the injury talk um, but the one thing that I think is potentially replicable from that game from a Jaguars offensive standpoint that they can do this game and that we've seen the holes you know throughout the Chargers the whole season it's the run defense. Um, and for me, that's going to be a big key in this game, particularly with how Doug runs the RPOs, right? Um, you know, you saw in that game, the Chargers are down, I think, 16 10. Uh, they are still struggling. They were still struggling on offense at that point. And then they get the big explosive run to James Robinson, which kind of breaks the game open 23 10 at that point. Uh, and then what Doug Peterson was able to do on the next drive, because now that the Chargers at that point had to overcompensate for James Robinson and overcompensate for the run game. The Jaguars have an eight-minute drive um, after the Chargers turn it over on downs and are able to go uh, 60 yards on 14 plays and really exhaust the Chargers' defense um, because they had that big explosive play uh, from James Robinson the drive prior. And so that's my big concern in this game uh, because we've seen the holes in the Chargers' run defense. And, you know, <laughs> the argument that we keep getting from people is like, well, if you take the big Cam Akers 40-yard run off the board, then it's not that bad. <laughs> if you take the Latavius Murray 25-yard run off the board, it's not that bad. Yeah. If you take the 23-yard run from uh, who am I? Chase Edmonds, then it's not that bad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of what been the line of thinking. And, like, yeah, the Chargers aren't, like, giving up tons of yards in terms of, like, average if you take out those plays. But what those plays allowed the offense to do at that point um, is, you know, particularly in a Doug Peterson RPO scheme, it just opens up so many things um, in the middle of the field because now you have to have that extra safety or – that extra linebacker who's like overcompensating uh, now for the run game. So that's going to be my big key um, in this one is that if the chargers allow those big explosive run plays, no Travis uh, Trav- or no James Robinson anymore, but you have Travis Etienne who is a really explosive, you know, athletic presence. You've seen him break off a couple yep. touchdowns this season um, in that same sense that James Robinson did back in week three. So for me, it's got to be the run defense and preventing explosive plays this week. Um, I sort of think that, you know, Doug Peterson has also adjusted his scheme based on the opponent that he's played, right? So you basically saw the Jags 
kind of take the L against the Titans in the run game because the Titans are a top three run defense. So they were just like, look, we're not going to try to run the ball with Travis Etienne. We're not going to try to, you know, like uh, Mina Kimes said, like bang our, bang our head against the wall and like keep going with something that's not going to work. Right. But Doug Peterson is going to see a weakness that he doesn't see in the Titans run defense and attack this Chargers uh, rush defense early and often. And it's going to be up to Sebastian Joseph Day, all the guys on the line, uh, all the guys, particularly in the linebacker room and the secondary, too, because there's been a lot of miscommunications. And you saw that in the Denver game uh, as well at the second and third levels of the defense. So um, I'm really concerned definitely about the second and third uh, levels of the defense and how they adjust to the run game. And if Travis Etienne does have a big day or if he breaks off some big plays, what that then gives the ammunition for Doug Peterson to do. Now, maybe the common response is like, just go up two or three possessions. And then that's not like a concern in terms of the run game, <laughs> right. but easier said than done. And the Jags were the ones exactly. who got up two or three possessions on us last time because of those, that explosive James Robinson touchdown. Um, so definitely about minimizing the explosive plays and um, just keeping Doug's RPO offense um, at bay in terms of uh, limiting the run game. Yeah. You know, to your point, you know, Travis Etienne has been one of the best running backs in the league since he essentially took over the RB one spot for them. So, uh, since week seven, you know, he's been basically the guy there. Uh, he's third in the league and missed tackles forced. That's something that, you know, we've focused on all season long for the wow, defenses being man. able to come up and make plays in space and tackle and, and get these guys to the ground. And I think they've done a good job in certain games. You know, I think they did a decent job against Derrick Henry. I think they did a good job against the 49ers in that regard. Um, but then you watch what happened last week in Denver and people want to talk about like playing starters. The thing that made me the most upset about last week was watching the run defense, man. They took a mm -hmm. massive step backwards in my opinion. Um, bad angles by the linebackers, bad angles by the safeties, missed tackles by the, the corners and the safeties. It was, it was not a fun watch on tape to watch the way this run defense and listen, man, like Derwin James was, was a part of that. And, you know, Derwin James yeah. was not at his best last week and you know, there are going to be opportunities for Bryce Callahan, for Jaw Taylor, for Derwin James, for Nasir Adderley, Alohi Gilman, all these guys to get Travis Etienne down in space at the second level. And if they can't do it, then it's going to be a long game. And, then, you know, th this is absolutely a, a crucial spot for this run defense this week. It's 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 rough. I mean, in the chat, people are talking about how much the chart the jaguars can do well it's not just like a one-dimensional like derrick henry Titans sort of situation where they literally could only run the ball and that was it they can do a lot travis Etienne is i believe the leader this year in rushing yards over expected so pair the yep. leader in rushing yards over expected this year with the guy that you said was third in missed tackles four since you know whatever he took over and became the starter that's very problematic i'm really curious to see how they attack that i hope I hope you see more of someone like Fahoko or more of your, your more, I guess, better run stoppers, you know, guys who can keep other guys clean behind them because, you know, when Murray's kept clean, when Tranquil's kept clean, it does look a lot better, especially with Kenneth Murray. They can't do that. Mm -hmm. They're SOL. So we'll definitely see how they do the rotation up front because if, if Kenneth Murray can't see what's going on in front of him because he's not quite kept clean and it's not so easy for him, it's going to be a very long day. And yeah, watching that game back and again, watching the Broncos game, it's like, I mean, just missed tackles have been kind of the story of the season or, or bad angles. Some of it's not even just missed tackles, it's bad angles. If you look at the game, like the game log against the Broncos, it's like six missed tackles, seven missed tackles. Yeah. But it, it's more than just that. It's not just the missed tackles, it's the angles. It's it's going 
completely yeah. the wrong direction to get someone again is the leader in rushing yards over expected this year. So it'll be a tough one. Yeah, and it, it's a different challenge, right? Like it's different than Derrick Henry, where you know there's that clip obviously where Sebastian Jones today comes out and and pregame and this is gonna be a fist fight for the next forty minutes or whatever or the next hour. You know it, it, that's different than Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne's not a bruiser. He's much more of a I'm gonna make you miss in space kind of player. So. Uh, difference with him is like if you if you miss those tackles in space, he's going to take a play and he's going to and he could hit a home run at any instant. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on. I think for me, you know, Tyler mentioned balance. I think they're looking back at the way this offense approached the Jaguars in that game. Uh, we're talking about sixty something dropbacks for Justin Herbert and eleven <laughs> carries from the uh-huh. offense. Um, again, it was a blowout. I understand certain things, right? Like you're not going right. to go out there and and pound the rock or anything by by any means but um you're talking about five carries for sony michelle four carries for austin eckler and one carry for joshua kelly in that performance uh and one quarterback sneak from justin herbert so um i feel like the chargers run defense or r- rushing offense excuse me has taken some steps forward in recent weeks um obviously highlighted by the, their performance against the rams uh, mm-hmm. who is a run a good run defense themselves. So um, this is a super crucial aspect to this game. I'm not going to go as far as, as RG3 to say that you have to run the football to, to win in the playoffs. I think that's kind of asinine with Justin sure. Herbert as your quarterback. But they have to maintain some kind of balance. And, you know, this this Jaguars defensive front can really heat you up if you are not careful. Mm-hmm. And if you get into this game where you feel like you have to pass the ball 60 times a game, then you're just, you're, you're risking every single play that somebody's going to get a strip sack. Somebody's going to hit Justin Herbert and, you know, change the game in that regard. That's what happened against the Titans, right? The Titans kind of got out of their character a little bit and Joshua Dobbs ended up getting under pressure too much and, and couldn't handle it and threw a pick six. And that's what won the Jaguars a game. So this is definitely something that the Chargers need to focus on. Again, not asking for a 50-50 split. I've never asked for that. But Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, you need to come. You probably need to combine the two of them between like 90 rushing yards. You know, keep them honest. Mm-hmm. Get some get some big plays on the ground. Uh, they've really focused on, you know, scoring in the red zone, as Zion explained to us last week. And this is a this is a big Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly game. They weren't really able to do much last week against the Broncos. Didn't necessarily need to. Feel like the offense was right. moving the ball with, through with Justin Herbert too. But uh, you have to keep the Jaguars off defense. You know, kind of on their toes, and that's going to happen by running the football with Eckler and Kelly. Yeah, absolutely. And you you can kind of avoid the Avalanche game by keeping the Chargers on the field, keeping the Jaguars off the field. But yeah, the, the number of times that Herbert had to drop back again in a blowout and he stayed the entire game. So there's, you know, that's part of it. But clearly they weren't there to run the ball and run the ball often 12 times, like you said. Although what was the running back carries? It was five, let's see, nine, ten by the running backs. That game, yeah. 10 carries for the running backs, which is, which and is not Sonny great. Michelle was the leading. Was yeah, I know. I watched it was like a greatest hits or lowest hits sort of game. Just watching. It's like it felt like a different year. I mean, it was, but like it was a completely different team. It felt like watching that. I'm trying to figure out, you know, Will Claps at center and Michelle was taking handoffs and ball bounces off of Kelly for a, you know, a pick or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. What am I watching? But um, <laughs> yeah, 31 pressures generated by the Jaguars that game on 45 dropbacks and however many sacks there were. Got to do better than that. 
Yeah, um, got to do better than general. And the Jaguars defensive line was really good last week. Um, and, you know, you sort of saw that with um, Josh Allen and Arden Key and all the guys that they have on that defensive front. And then, you know, the game winning play, they are able to just bring Rayshon Jenkins, you know, who is probably looking for a Chargers revenge game himself. Uh, they bring him up on the defensive line. He heats up uh, Josh Dobbs. And then that obviously causes the fumble, which Josh Allen takes the other way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely concerned from a pass rushing standpoint. Um, not that this offensive line has been bad. It's been fine um, given the circumstances. Right. But you this is a week where you would love to have Slater back, um, even though it seems like his target is much more next week, because that sort of puts um, Jamari Salier, I feel like, in a really tough position. As Steven sort of talked about his matchup today, potentially with, you know, Trevon Walker um, and getting some pressures there. But I would be concerned about like a Josh Allen type matchup on uh, Jamari Sally or just because if he it kind of reminds me a little bit aesthetically of like what Chandler Jones was. Um, Chandler Jones obviously has this big 84 inch wingspan, you know, has that closing speed. And that's a little bit sort of what Josh Allen does um, as well. Not that he's Chandler Jones, but um, sort of is kind of the edge that you would think that Jamari Sally would sort of uh, struggle with from that standpoint. So. Definitely have to worry about the pass rush pressure um, of the Jags in general. I think that they can handle it if they sort of go about it the right way. But if this turns into a game where we start to see Jamari struggle, you see Filer continue to struggle, then this could be a really long day at the offense, particularly for the Chargers pass game and the run game as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's get into the nitty-gritty of this matchup, as we always do, uh, highlighting uh, specific things in, in terms of victory formation, like we always do, key matchups, and then we'll get to some predictions to close out the show. Um, all right, I'm going to kick us off here in terms of uh, victory formation. I think for me... Uh, I just can't wait to see what Justin Herbert does this week, man. I mean, this is this is as simple as it gets. I think, you know, one of these two quarterbacks is, is simply going to be better than the other one. Um, Justin Herbert was so completely dialed in against the Broncos. Like, I think that if he had had to play the full game, we would have looked back at that Broncos game as one of his best games of the season and, and maybe one of the best games of his career. He His ball placement was so outstanding like i think if you watch the broncos defensive players and their reactions they probably felt like they had like three or four interceptions like coming their way 
but just the ball placement, the velocity that Justin Herbert was throwing with last week was insane to watch on tape. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Mike Williams, but you know, we, we all know what primetime Justin Herbert means. I thought Brandon Staley did a really good job of highlighting that. That's just, that didn't just like his career here. I mean, you go back and watch his career at Oregon and all of their primetime games, uh, unfortunately, including one against uh, Utah, Justin Herbert was fantastic in all of those matchups. So um, Justin Herbert to me is obviously the engine that drives this car. If he plays like he did last week against the Broncos, if he plays like he did against the Raiders in week 18 last year, if he plays like he did against the Chiefs both times this year, I'm pretty confident that the Chargers will win. I think it's going to be a tough game, but Justin Herbert, man, I have just loved the way that he's been playing lately. I've loved the way that he's been operating the offense, seeing the field, reading things out, and then obviously the ball placement. So I think he's playing at a very confident level right now. He's trusting things at a higher level, and uh, I just can't wait to see what primetime Herbert looks like in a playoff setting for the first time in his career. Yeah, the momentum that the Chargers have had the last couple of weeks with Herbert and, yes, with Lombardi – the way that the calls have been coming in and the way that Herbert's been executing has been outstanding. Basically flawless from Justin Herbert. I feel so bad that they only put up 20 points in three quarters because it wasn't his fault. I mean, they were dropping passes, fumbling twice. Um, so he, he's been fantastic. And there was just that little bit of not arrogance, not really cockiness, but just confidence from Justin Herbert on primetime when he knew, you know, he doesn't go on social media and maybe doesn't read into it. He's quiet and you know, keeps to himself. But like, you could tell there was a little something extra there. And I feel like, you know, when, when Trevor Lawrence was going to be drafted, they didn't say that he was the next Herbert by any means, but it was like, well, Trevor Lawrence, like he can have a better rookie season than Justin Herbert had, you know? And yeah. I think he, in some ways knows that they're talking about this matchup as Herbert versus Lawrence. It's really Peterson versus Staley, but you know, Herbert versus Lawrence is, is the big matchup everyone's talking about. And I think on prime time, with that kid, was it is it Aiden that's going to be at the game that always yeah. cheers for everything? Yeah, um, I just think primetime Justin Herbert is just a bit special. I think he knows how important this is. Obviously, it's a playoff game, and I think you're going to see just a little bit extra. I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, um, for all the differences that we talk about with week three and what that game was, Trevor Lawrence is on a completely different planet than he was on week three um, as he as well, right? Like in terms of what he's developed into as a quarterback, how he's sure. reading and processing things and getting the ball out on time um, and making these quick decisions. It, it feels like kind of a battle between like which quarterback screws up first um, between this Trevor Lawrence versus Justin sure. Herbert game or who, you know, kind of a staring contest who makes the first mistake. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of pressure. And like Tyler said, whenever we've had primetime games, uh, probably the most recent one is really Herbert versus Tua and, and all the hype that went into that game. Uh, primetime with all the debates, right? And Herbert showed up for that game in a huge way. Anytime he's had to play Mahomes, uh, the Burrow game last year, right? So I, I think anytime that Justin Herbert has had these huge quarterback matchups, I don't think Justin Herbert pays attention to the media and, and all that kind of stuff. But whenever he kind of sees that he has a contemporary on the other side that can do some of the same things that he does or rivals what he does, I do think that he kind of plays up to the competition, uh, so to speak, in those quarterback matchups as opposed to the last couple of weeks. I mean, Justin Herbert's been great the last couple of weeks, but he's also been playing Nick Foles and Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson, right? So it's like, you know, he hasn't had this, you know, premium quarterback matchup or to go against in a while. 
Uh, so I'll be really excited to see how he handles, you know, Trevor Lawrence and primetime, two of the great young quarterbacks in the league. And I'm happy the, game, the league in general just put this game in this spot, too. Um, they probably did yes. this because all the other matchups shit the bed because they didn't get Rodgers in the playoffs and they didn't get to have any of these other things. But I do think it's a great investment that they put this game with these two quarterbacks who are going to be top five for a number of years uh, into prime time. Yeah, now we're potentially getting Anthony Brown versus the Bengals again and uh, Skylar Thompson versus the Bills. So I, I'm very appreciative that this is a primetime game. I think this is the right decision from the league. Um, you know, these two quarterbacks, I think, are fantastic and uh, very different stylistically, although I think they have some similar attributes. You know, I'm sure they'll the, the pregame coverage will talk about the quarterback's hair, both, you know, both of them having the luscious locks, if you will. Uh, I'm just excited, man. I think Justin Herbert, you could tell that he's just been waiting and waiting for this chance to get into the playoffs, and uh, I'm excited to see what he comes up with. All right, Alex, uh, we'll get to you next. What is your uh, victory formation pick here? Uh, victory formation, I mean, this kind of gets into key matchup territory, but just how the Chargers decide to deal with the Jaguars receivers um, a little bit because I don't think there is like a consensus way that you do play them. Uh, we saw that Bryce Callahan kind of rested last week, and I think a lot of that had to do with going into Christian Kirk this week. Christian Kirk primarily going to do a lot of his damage out of the slot. You need Bryce Callahan to be on his A game with how they use uh, Christian Kirk in that offense. Um, Zay Jones obviously has been you know huge in terms of making plays uh, in the middle of the field using his speed on routes. Uh, so I don't know if there's a straightforward answer with how they deal with that one either. Do you just kind of stick Michael Davis with him? Um, you know, the, the Jags don't really have like a number one outside, like boundary receiver that you would, you know, kind of consensus think of, right. They sort of use their wide receivers a little bit differently than the standard NFL team. And their tight end is a wide receiver. I mean, Evan Ingram even wears yeah. a, a wide receiver number in 17. Uh, That's you know, so half the time I watch him. Yeah, it's gross. Half of the time I watch it, I'm like, oh, is that DJ Chark? And I'm like, no, that's that's definitely <laughs> um, But yeah, so, you know, just the way that Doug Peterson has used these guys, a lot of people criticized the Christian Kirk signing at the time. Um, you know, we kind of piled on into that, too. But he's really taken Trevor Lawrence's game to a new level. Um, I'll be curious to see how the Chargers match these guys up, especially after they've had, aside from Michael Davis, I think some shaky weeks um, kind of in the secondary and this is a, a wide receiver group uh, and a receiver group in general for Trevor Lawrence that um, can make things kind of ugly for you quick and snowball if they you just allow them to slant in the middle of the field uh, and use their quickness and athleticism to beat you. So this is going to be really interesting, you know, kind of a key matchup, but also kind of not. Uh, so I'll, I'll talk about yeah the Jags receivers mm -hmm. and how the Chargers decide to cover them, um, because obviously, you know, we talked about the run game. Um, and how the Jags can potentially use that for some RPO stuff. But, you know, it's really going to be the Jags receivers kind of carrying them, so to speak, with Trevor Lawrence making these quick snap decisions. And uh, the secondary just has to play better uh, than it has mm -hmm. in the last few weeks. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what they do with the rotation between Jaw Taylor and Asante Samuel Jr. Because I think you could definitely get away with it in certain moments in certain games because it's literally Derrick Henry and that was it against the Titans, for example. You know, in certain moments, I... I guess I get the thought process, but I don't agree with it, taking Asante Samuel Jr. off the field. But I'm very curious to see what they do because, I mean, Doug Peterson, Christian, I mean, look what the Broncos just did with Jerry Judy. Not that he was the one who torched Jaw Taylor, but you know, Doug Peterson, I'm sure, is looking at Christian Kirk and looking at the way that Jerry Judy, with carries as a receiver, you know, tore up the Chargers secondary. 
And I think he's, you know, licking his chops or whatever, trying to get Christian Kirk out there and get him involved. So I'm really, really curious to see what they do with someone like a Jaw Taylor. Can you pull Asante Samuel Jr. off the field? I don't know. And I know Steven, well, you're coughing, so I apologize if I'm calling on you at a bad time. But you um, I mean, you had you had a thought earlier today about Asante Samuel Jr. and you want to share that? Yeah, just watching the last few games. I mean, this this game on Sunday was a little bit different because Bryce Callahan didn't play, but I just I feel like I haven't seen the same kind of confidence and assertive assertiveness from Asante Samuel Jr. since they started doing this rotation. And I understand against Derrick Henry, you want the bigger body out there. Like that that made some sense to me uh to a certain extent. Um, but they've continued to do this, and I I think it's kind of ruining Asante's confidence a little bit, to be honest with you. I I think we're not seeing him play with the same kind of uh just understanding of everything. Like I, I think he played a little passive against the Broncos, and I think part of that is because I, you know, you, you never really know what happens in these kind of situations. You know, the coaching staff might say, Hey, like we just want jaw to play some run defense. We think he's a better run defender, but Asante might be taking that and saying like, Hey, like these guys don't believe me anymore. Uh, you know, he can feel a certain way about things. Not saying that that is exactly happening, but Asante is not playing the same way. And it, it's concerning because they invested a top 50 pick in him. Again, I understand like against Derrick Henry, you want bigger bodies out there. Um, and I, I like Jaw a lot in, in terms of his future, in terms of the slot and, and what they're doing there. But it just has been a little frustrating to watch Asante clearly take less chances. He's not playing with that same kind of swagger that he, he was earlier in the season. Um, I mean, he was he was 15th in the league uh, among all cornerbacks in forced incompletions up until that Tennessee game. And he hasn't registered a single one since. So it's just it hasn't been the same kind of Asante Samuel Jr. that we're used to seeing. Uh, and I think a lot of it is the the rotation that they're trying to do right now. Yeah, and it's not also not working. I'm not that it's Jaw Taylor's fault that the run defense hasn't been great, but like I'd rather just have my much better, you know. I mean, we're at a point at this year where Asante Samuel Jr., unless he was facing Devontae Adams, was trending towards high end CB2 you know, borderline CB1 at some points territory. And then it's like, eh, we'll take him off the field on, on rundowns to put in Jaw Taylor, who I think has earned the right to, you know, be in the rotation next year or something. Maybe even as their starting slot corner. I don't know. But it just it it's not punishing Asante Samuel Jr. But I don't I don't think Jaw has done enough. And I don't think Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. has been so bad that you pull him off the field for the sixth round pick, who again it, a a team some offense is going to find a way to go against that like you see jaw taylor out there oh you know that he's out there because they expect us to run okay that's fine here's the five plays that we came up during with during the week and we're going to throw it at jaw taylor and sorry you know there's no disrespect to jaw taylor he's young he's going to be great i think but he's a rookie six round pick who hasn't seen a ton of action so far i think they're going to try to go against him so i'm really really curious to see what they do in the rotation this year for this week yeah, in particular against Christian Kirk, I think that's going to be a lot of Bryce Callahan. I mean, Christian Turk, Christian Kirk takes 75% of his snaps in the slot. Um, but it's it's the other guys, right? Like Zay Jones is no joke. I mean, he's I think this is obviously his best year of his career. But uh, I mean, we're talking about somebody who nearly had 1,000 yards receiving this year. 82 catches, 823 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, Marvin Jones has had some good moments for them this season. 
Um, and you know, Alex mentioned Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram has taken uh let me make sure I get this right. About 25% of his snaps are out wide. So you don't think that they'll put Evan Ingram out in motion and isolate him against Jaw Taylor. I think they absolutely would do that. So it's just it's been frustrating. I mean, uh obviously somebody highlighted the the interception that Asante Sammy Jr. had against the Colts. That was a fantastic play. He played really well that day. That's because he was starting, he played every single snap that day. Uh, but the last two weeks when he's been in this rotation with jaw, it's just, it's not been the same kind of Asante Sammy jr. Yeah, that's a shame for my victory formation. Really the final thing, there's no real one particular thing here. It's just simply this Brandon Staley. If you are the coach that you say, you know, not say, sorry, he doesn't go out and say this, but that we hope you could be in the defensive coach and, and schemer and coordinator that we hope you could be. This is kind of that week. And I, I actually feel like it's more this week than maybe the following week against the Bills or the Chiefs. There's just something about this game that worries me the most because of the way Doug Peterson had an answer for everything that Brandon Staley tried to do in week three. We need to see that that great stretch this year where the defense is playing very well against Nick Foles and Ryan Tannehill. You know, but anyway, <laughs> we need to see that this defense is, is that defense. Like regardless of opponent, you're going to go out and be great. The exotic blitz packages are going to work. This idea that you're going to limit the big plays that needs to hold up, whatever it is. And I, again, it's, there's so many things we've already talked about several instances like winning up early on first down, like the rotation, more for on first down, whatever. It's really just comes down to more than Herbert and Lawrence. Can Brandon Staley, you know, do I expect them to hold the Jaguars to 10? No, but they need to be somewhere between 10 and 38 because this offense, they can't, this offense isn't scoring 38. The Chargers offense isn't scoring 38. I love Herbert. I just don't think with their coordinator and of course without Rashawn Slater that they can reach that level, especially if Mike Williams is, is banged up. Got to meet them somewhere in the middle. You know, again, I'm not expecting them to shut things down. But if you're the guy that we hope you are, and honestly, if you want to, I believe he's keeping his job. But if you really want to secure your job and, of course, win this game, like this is the game to do it. It's the playoffs. And I, I think they can. But I'm, I'm definitely concerned because that showing against the Broncos was not great. Yeah, um, getting a win this week would be a great way to get Sean Payton to stop sending texts to Albert Breer and Dan Graziano and all the people, right? Uh, it would yeah. be a great week to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, Doug Peterson, I, I think Tyler kind of said it right. Brandon Staley has a lot of experience coaching against Andy Reid, um, has played him a bunch of times at this point, And any matchup between the Chargers and Chiefs sort of ends up in this like toss up, you know, frenetic game. That goes at like a breakneck pace, right? So that one, I mean, yeah, I would be concerned. It's Andy Reid. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. But at the same time, the Chargers have experience dealing with that. Um, Doug Peterson, I mean, you know, he's four and two career playoff record. And his two losses in the playoffs are when Carson Wentz got a concussion against Seattle. Uh, and then his other one is when Alshon Jeffrey drops a pass from Nick Foles. Uh, and otherwise, they probably would have beaten the Saints and, you know, gone to the NFC Championship game. So, you know, I mean, he's a really good playoff coach. He's overperformed with, you know, teams in the playoffs when he's had to play Nick Foles multiple times uh, in playoff games. We just talked about Nick Foles and, you know, Indy. But, uh, you know, he he's full circle moment right there. Yeah, full circle moment. But uh, he, he's gone into the playoffs with some, you know, I guess teams that, you know, shouldn't have won games that they won. Right. Obviously, 
beat you know the Patriots in the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff and won some games that he really shouldn't have won uh, with Nick Foles. But uh, now he's coming in here with Trevor Lawrence, who obviously is a you know generational prospect and the whole thing. Right? He has a team that is kind of not better than those Philadelphia teams. Um, obviously, but it is, you know, sort of rounding into being that hot team that gets into the playoffs at the right time. Um, and that's a very dangerous thing for, for Doug Peterson to do. So uh, overall, uh, yeah, this is a big game for Brandon Staley, you know, heading into his first playoff game against Doug Peterson, who's obviously heading into his uh, third postseason uh, at this point. So, you know, definitely something to watch for in this game uh, and, you know, you see the rest of the AFC playoff field and John Harbaugh and, you know, Sean McDermott and Andy Reid, they all have more playoff experience, right. than than Brandon Staley in that regard. Um, and so these this week, and if the chargers do beat the Jaguars are going to be big, you know, prove it weeks and legacy weeks for Brandon Staley. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about his playoff experience, I think, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of us all got excited about Brandon Staley was what he was able to do in the playoffs in 2020 as the Rams defensive coordinator and how, you know, I, I think it might have been Tyler who said that it felt like they were running the Seahawks offense for them. Like, you know, they had them in every single right position in that wildcard game at Seattle. So I'm excited to see what he's able to come up with this week. I am. And Ted Wynn uh, for The Athletic did a great job highlighting some of the, the the better games from Brandon Staley this season. And and obviously it's a, it's hard to game plan perfectly every single week, especially in the NFL. But, you know, he Brandon Staley talked about having all 17 games of tape, uh, you know, ahead of these playoffs and being able to really diagnose things and, and scout things to uh, almost, perf- you know, at a perfect level with this kind of full season now intact. So I'm excited to see what Brandon Staley does. I Wonder if they kind of replicate a little bit of a plan like they did in week two, like Alex is talking about against Amy Reed, where they really went man heavy press man coverage. Obviously, that was with JC and 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 that was when he was healthy. And um, for the most part, it worked right. Like the, the Chargers held the Chiefs to 20 points that day on on defense. Obviously, they had the, the pick six, unfortunately. But um, I'm just kind of curious what what happens here, you know, because the. The way to stop a quick trigger offense really is to kind of disrupt the routes, disrupt the coverage, disrupt the way the quarterback is seeing things. And I think you can do some of that with press man, with press man coverage. So I I would expect Michael Davis to get up in the grill of Zay Jones and maybe a little bit of Evan Ingram. Um, I can't imagine him playing much Christian Kirk this week, but um, you know him and Derwin James, I think you have two guys that can really get up in your face and, and be physical with them. So um and drew tranquil as well is going to be very important this week in that regard like he was against the dolphins too i can't wait to see what michael davis does i think you're almost at a point no one will agree but that he's been their best defensive back um at least since he came in was actually you know playing for this team maybe not as much against the you know like the start of the year who's kind of in and out of the lineup but as the starter i mean there hasn't been a whole lot better um didn't expect that at all but it's it's Michael Davis from week three, who was just filling in for J.C. Jackson because J.C. couldn't play, to the Michael Davis now, who you could argue has been the best defender on the team. Um, yeah, definitely since he's been on the field. Like, I can't wait to see what he does because he's been he's been amazing. Yeah, can't wait to see what he does. And obviously, yeah, like Tyler said, it's a completely different defense than week three in a lot of respects. Um, and one of those is J.C. gets benched in the Broncos game. Michael Davis comes in. 
Uh, and Michael Davis really since then, uh, considering JC got short, uh, hurt shortly after that, uh, has never really relinquished uh, that CB1 spot and has been on top of it every single week going against the best receiver uh, on the opposing team. A little bit different in this game because you have Christian Kirk who plays primarily out of the slot. So that's going to be a lot of Bryce Callahan. Um, but <laughs> certainly from previous seasons, you're not going to have Michael Davis kind of pursuing some of the matchups he was earlier in the year. Um, you know, he's going to be against either Evan Ingram on some rounds. He's going to be against Zay Jones a lot of the time, even some reps against Christian Kirk. Uh, and so, you know, he's kind of going to be going up against that Jags, you know, triple headed attack. Uh, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, he's going to be huge in this game. Yeah, I uh, just for fun, I was working on earlier this afternoon before the show, I was like bored and I was like, oh, I wonder like who I would put in all pro voting. And if you were like going to go through the whole list and listen, man, I, I don't think he'll be first team and I, I don't think he'll be second team either. But I think Michael Davis absolutely has a case for second team all pro this year. I mean, the man is fifth in the league right now in forced incompletions, and he didn't start for the first six weeks. And I, I think that there's probably something to be said for that kind of level of play. And, you know, I, I don't think that he would get it, like I said. But Michael Davis, to me, is playing at an all-pro level right now. And what he did to Cortland Sutton on Sunday uh, was fantastic. I mean, he, he tripped on the one touchdown. But outside of that one play, man, I thought Michael Davis was playing at an elite level right now. Um, I think for me, he's, he's unequivocally a top five charger of 2022. I, I think he's playing at such a high level right now. The only thing missing is, is the ball production in terms of, uh, all pro level recognition. You know, he's mm -hmm. only had the uh, two interceptions this year or just the one, I think just the one, just the one. So, I mean, if you're, if yeah. he gets, you know, a couple more interceptions, then he's probably is in consideration for that, but I mean, he's playing extremely well right now, and it's been awesome to see. I mean, he, he deserves a, a ton of praise for the way he's played this year. Yeah, absolutely. Won't get second team all pro, I can't imagine, but um, <laughs> in my heart, I feel like he at least deserves it, and I agree. Yeah. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get to some key matchups here. Alex, you want to bring up anything else besides what you kind of talked about with uh, the receivers against the secondary? Yeah, um, I'll talk about the Chargers receivers uh, against the secondary. And we talked about Mike Williams earlier in the show, right? Um, you know, and what percentage he is, is is huge this week. I think primarily because uh, the Jaguars corners are playing really well. Um, you know, uh, they signed Darius Williams, who's been one of the best value signings by all analytical measures um, since week 14. Darius Williams has gone outside. He's given up six receptions uh, on 18 targets for 46 yards. Um, so, you know, he's been one of those guys. You're not going to have him match up against Mike Williams because Darius Williams is a little vertically challenged. Um, but you could have Darius Williams, you know, against Keenan Allen uh, on quite a few reps. And I think he'll be able to at least handle that matchup as, as much as he can. And then the other one is uh, Tyson Campbell, who, um, you know, is obviously one of Tyler's guys coming out of the draft. We talked about him a lot on the show. Or was he not one of your guys? I don't remember which Georgia guy you liked. No, it, was it, it was Stokes. Stokes. Oh, it was yeah. Stokes. Okay. Not um, that I hated Campbell, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, <it> okay. <laughs> Campbell's exceeding expectations from this show, for sure. Right. From this show, yes. Campbell has exceeded expectations. <laughs> Obviously, Mike Williams was uh, kind of hurt last game when, you know, he uh, did kind of match up against Tyson Campbell. But, uh, you know, overall, uh, Campbell's done a great job that game. He's done a pretty good job through the season and definitely has overperformed expectations. So I'll be curious just to see 
if Mike Williams is a little bit banged up this game, I, I'm happy that we had Keenan have the game he did kind of against the Broncos in the month that he's had in the last month of the season in particular since he's come back from that injury because I think he's looked very decisive as a route runner um, and he's looked, you know, really good. Uh, so, you know, I think he'll get his wins against Darius Williams and the rest of this Jag secondary. Um, but yeah, it's kind of going to, going to, it's going to be an interesting matchup because I do think this is one of those secondaries that if you just told me before the season that it's like it's Darius Williams outside and it's Tyson Campbell, I probably wouldn't have liked the Jaguars secondary that much prior to the year, but this is a secondary that's really developed and, and turned a corner and you've seen it. Um, you know, Rayshon Jenkins obviously has been playing really well, getting some interceptions, getting some turnovers. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that the Jag secondary, you know, talking about how they covered this Chargers wide receiver group uh, is going to be important as well. Tyler. Oh, no, I, I just I'm looking at the time. And so, OK, all right, well, we'll speed it up here. What's your uh, what's your key matchup of the day? Ooh, Donald Parham or any tight end who wants to try to block Trayvon Walker. Uh, one, please don't, <laughs> please don't try running at him. You can pass the ball. You can pass protect against him because it's not been, you know, great. And that's not unexpected. But when the Chargers try to run a couple of plays straight at Trayvon Walker with Trey McKitty blocking, it really wasn't that great. I think McKitty no. has gotten better, but I think Donald Parham is the superior blocker. And so that is a big matchup. All this talk that we've been talking about, Staley and Herbert and all this, of course, my key matchup is Donald Parham versus Trevon Walker, but it's a big one. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's supposedly a good run defending prospect. I believe he's been good against the run, at least against the Chargers. He was good against the run and really blowing things up. That's something I'll watch for this weekend. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I was looking at this earlier. And I think he's like the tenth highest graded run defender from PFF. He hasn't gotten a ton of stops. Uh, mm -hmm. At least you know. People don't really run at him a whole lot, which I think is part of it. Um, but yes, uh, Donald Parham against Trayvon Walker. If that ever happens, please don't be Trey McKitty or Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett got some reps against him too, and it was even worse. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, if you're going to run at Trayvon Walker, please use Donald Parham. Um, all right, really quickly, because uh, we're running out of time here. We're past an hour. Um, I am very curious to see how the Chargers attack the left side of this Jaguars offensive mm -hmm. line. Um, obviously Walker little has been starting in place of cam Robinson. Um, you know, Walker little had his best game of his very short career, uh, last week against the Tennessee Titans. He only allowed two pressures, uh, mostly working against Danico Autry. Danico Autry is a very high quality pass rusher in the league. Granted he had been injured and, and definitely was not fully healthy. Um, and the charter or the, excuse me, the Jaguars have had some shuffling at left guard as well. It was, uh, ben Barch for a little bit, and it's been um, let me make sure I get his name right. Um, Tyler Shatley uh, for most of the second half of the season. Um, so this is this is something that I think the Chargers can exploit. I think that the right side of the Jaguars' offensive line is definitely their strength. That's where Brandon Scherf and uh, Jawan Taylor are playing. Those two players are definitely better than what you'll have on the left side of things. So. Um, Joey Bosa has been fantastic. He's mostly been working against right tackles so far in his return. Uh, we haven't seen him really move around a ton. Uh, this is a week where I think you can get a little bit creative uh, against the left side of the Jaguars offense and, and maybe heat Trevor Lawrence up a little bit. I think the pass rush is really one of the key things of how you can can flip a playoff game on its head. And I think Khalil Mack, Kyle Van Noy, Morgan Fox, Joey Bosa, 
have all been rushing the passer at a really high level. And I think you want to exploit the left side of the Jaguars defense or excuse me, Jaguars offensive line if you can. Yeah, I like that. They did not sack Trevor Lawrence the first game. I don't recall how many pressures they generated. It was like 11. It was not great. <laughs> great. Um, right. So yeah, how they attack that would be great. More than 11 would be fantastic. Right. I think it's also really important that they generate a lot of uh, pressure, just not blitzing, right? And getting a lot of pressure that way, because if you start to blitz Trevor Lawrence, right, you're starting to take risks because he does get that ball out there and there's probably going to be somebody who's open, right? So yeah, uh, I think it's important that they manufacture a lot of natural pressure as opposed to, you know, having to blitz and then you kind of get into like a Cardinals blitzing Patrick Mahomes situation, uh, which is a little bit dangerous, yeah. right? So uh, we talked about that one earlier in the year, but I also kind of see with how fast Trevor Lawrence is getting the ball out with how much Doug Peterson likes to use RPOs could also be dangerous against the Chargers. Yep, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for our episode today. Uh, we ran a little past over, past our due time, but you know we got talking ball. That's what happens sometimes. So um, we're going to have a very busy week. Uh, I'm going to hop off of this show and go interview uh, Nick Cothrell from Sports Illustrated. So he's going to help me preview this game as well. And then on Friday afternoon, or I guess evening, uh, we're going to be doing our usual Saturday show at 5 p.m. Pacific. So make sure and come and tune in for that one. We're also going to give our uh, full playoff picks that week. We'll do some X-Factors, bowl predictions, all that good stuff like we always do, and then uh, take some questions. And then obviously the game will be happening on uh, Saturday. Tyler, any uh, final thoughts before we head out? Like uh, whether we win or lose, whether the Chargers win or lose, I'm just happy that we were able to talk about playoff football in the sense that it's happening, not in March. Yeah, we're going to win the Super <laughs> Bowl. Like no, like playoff football is actually here. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it. Uh, join us on our Friday show when we do our full playoff picks. Will I pick the Chargers? Will I pick the Eagles to win the Super Bowl? Will I pick the <laughs> Will I pick the Chiefs to reverse jinx them? A lot of potential options there uh so yeah uh join us for that friday show we have a busy week and obviously we'll go live after the game on saturday so i uh, hope the chargers win and excited to see that one Ooh, yeah i kind of like the idea of andy reed versus doug peterson that just kind of sounds fun no i want the chart I, I want joe lombardi i don't like the idea that much <laughs> i want joe lombardi versus andy reed gosh darn it oh fuck <laughs> Hey man, uh, Andy versus Doug Peterson would be a, a, a or not Doug Peterson, excuse me, definitely not Doug Peterson. Uh, <laughs> Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni uh, would be a would be a fun matchup for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so like I said, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in for the chat today. Uh, if you are listening to this, please leave a rating or review. We always appreciate that, and uh, we get to talk playoff football for the rest of the week. So it's been an exciting time, exciting week. Hopefully you guys are uh, have those notifications on, subscribed, all that good stuff. And uh, that's going to do it. We'll see you on Friday.